0: Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host and fellow Defender of the Night, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry?
1: I live again! (laughs) Andy,
0: I'm so excited for today.
1: I can't even tell I know
0: you. you are. I know you are. So today we're taking on the... 1994 to 1996 animated series Gargoyles. And so for the purposes of our podcast, we're checking out the first five episodes, kind of a mini series entitled uh, Awakening that provides the exposition and main themes for the series to follow. And this just needs to be said. I said last time that this is a 9.9
1: because I give nothing a 10, but everything else from Disney is an eight because it's not Gargoyles. Like, I, that's, <laughs> this is, like, there is nothing, there is nothing higher for me than this. This is, this is me at my absolute peak. Andy, if you didn't love this, I'm
0: going to be destroyed. I actually liked it quite a bit. And I've only seen, to be a really fair listener, I've only seen these first five episodes. I have not, de- you know, I will dig deeper with my daughter later, but right for right now, that's all we've got.
1: Oh, I'm so excited. You're going to have to keep me updated as you watch. Uh, I mean, as I always yes. do. Right? No, I mean,
0: <laughs> like what Jane? No, 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 no. But, but I. But keep <laughs> us posted. Keep us posted. Absolutely. Well, some key facts to set the stage: the first two seasons of Gargoyles aired in the Disney Afternoon program- programming block. And the third season was part of ABC's Saturday morning cartoon lineup. So some some people didn't have cable. Might raise his hand uh, as a college student in the nineties, and so I kind of remember it from that uh, Saturday morning cartoons. But
1: well, and if you do remember it from Saturday mornings, you caught the third season. That was that was what actually aired on Saturday mornings. Uh... And the third season is not considered canon. Uh, the creator Greg Weisman was was gone from the series at that point. Uh, And future stuff that's been done with Gargoyles, like the comic books, ignore the third season. It never happened.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. Well, unlike other American animated cartoons of its time, Gargoyles is a long arc animated series. So most cartoons of the era were created with syndication in mind, much like a sitcom with episodic evergreen content but not so with gargoyles. It's serialized so that fans can dive deeper and deeper into the story each episode. If you're a fan of serialized anime, this show definitely deserves your attention. 100%, it's amazing. It's I'm still even now
1: amazed at how much good storytelling happens in, over the course of this series. It's
0: magic. It is magic. I mean, I just, like I said, just saw five and I'm hungry for more. Uh, With shows like Fantastic Four, X-Men, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and particularly Batman, the animated series in production development by Marvel, Fox, and Warner Brothers, Gargoyles is Disney's answer to this genre. So, if you see a lot of similarities to the feel of Batman: The Animated Series, which I did, it's because many of the Batman writers came over to Gargoyles, including Michael Reeves and Bryn Chandler Reeves, who played key roles in the work we are viewing today. And did you know, Larry, that this show was originally pitched as a comedy series? I did know that.
1: <laughs> of course, you did. I know everything about Gargoyles.
0: <laughs> I was trying to get a gotcha, but I didn't have that. I I tried. I friends, I tried, but it's. There was, of course, a, a, the L.A. Uprising happens in 1992, and the show chose to take on some issues of bigotry. Yeah. Uh, and and go a little darker and, than they had originally planned. And it's throughout the series. They, they
1: come back to that theme again and again. Did you know, Andy, that this uh, cartoon series, Gargoyles, is in canon with a pair of Disney movies? Uh, the Atlantis, The Lost Empire movies take mm-hmm. place in the same universe as Gargoyles, because oh. uh, when Atlantis, The Lost Empire became a TV series, there was an episode planned where
0: Demona would have guest starred. Interesting. Did not know that. Yeah. Was not aware. You see,
1: <laughs> today is my day for gotchas. You will bring, you
0: always bring the gotchas. You always bring it. I, I rarely, rarely get to do that, friends. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, let's let's dig right into it, uh, Manish Tana.
1: Why does this series start where it starts? And we've talked about uh, one TV series before. We talked about Ducktales, and we talked about why Ducktales starts where it starts. But here, there's a there's an interesting question. Gargoyles start Awakening starts achronologically. Our opening scene, we're in Manhattan, we're on the ground level. There is clearly a series of explosions happening from the building above. Uh, we don't know what's going on there. Stones drop from the ground. A police officer, Elisa Maza, shows up on the scene. Uh, she's concerned about, obviously, rocks dropping from this skyscraper in Manhattan. And then she looks at one of the rocks and she sees three claw marks uh, going right through the rocks. And she's like, what's going on up there? And then we cut back. We're we're a thousand years ago in I think it says nine hundredth century uh, B.C. Scotland
0: or something along those lines. Why? And it's really jarring. It's super jarring, isn't it? Yeah. Like the first. I mean, I was like, why are we doing? Why is that making that? That's a bold choice. But I think it's a <laughs> deliberate choice. And oh, one hundred percent. And I'm wondering if we can unpack it a little bit. Do you have any thoughts about this? Well, we've got to know the genesis of how a castle above the clouds. Ha- uh, on you know happened on top of a skyscraper in DC or in New York City right
1: well i mean that's why we're going that's why we're flashing back but so the right. question i would ask is why even have the the stuff in the present why not just start 980 whatever uh bc why why not just start there why do we have this moment
0: in the present Well, that's the height of the conflict of the series, right? Well. Is you have, you have gargoyles living, you know, these supernatural beings living in this world. And um, what in the world's happening? Why is, why is it happening? Why are things crashing down to the, you know, to the ground? We don't know. Well,
1: I I mean, more importantly, yeah. just going with that, it's the premise of the series. This is a series set in modern day. And we're trying to hook us into that's what the series is going to be, but the rest of the first episode is going to be in 980-whatever Scotland, right? So unless we get that little glimpse of it at the beginning, you could watch the entire first episode of this and still not have gotten to the premise, gargoyles flying around today in modern-day
0: Manhattan. Oh, sure. Sure. I get you. I get you. Yeah, because if you don't have that, you're going to be really confused in a few episodes when they're all of a sudden it's about thou- a thousand years later. Right. They're just, and you may not and you may not buy it. Right.
1: That they're setting our compass that don't get too attached to all this stuff in Scotland. That's not where the show is going to be. Uh, and and you might watch this first episode and say, you know what? I'm all in for the show in Scotland. Let's just do Scotland for the entire series. They, they right. really do build uh, that world, Castle Wyvern, very nicely. Um, so here, because this is a five-part mini-series, more than it is a movie, although it's better than most movies to me, <laughs> uh, it's gonna be a little tricky to say, where is exposition? Where is inciting incident? Uh, because oh, for sure. Because there's like the exposition, and inciting incident of each episode. But we're trying to take the story as a whole, these these five episodes here. And I don't think, like, when I say we're going to have trouble putting buttons on these, that that means there's anything wrong with the story as they've told it. But Oh, no, no, no. I think, for me, Andy, the entire period of Scotland, which is two and a half episodes, or an episode and mm-hmm. a half, I think, um, I think that episode and a half, so 30, 40 minutes, that's all exposition. And the inciting right. incident of the story is Xanatos takes the castle and the gargoyles reawaken in modern day.
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, in that exposition of, wor- I mean, it's world building, right? Yes. We have the genesis of of names and how naming things gives something limits. We, ha- uh, we see the gargoyles being unappreciated in their world. We know that they turn to stone at night. We see the relationships between various gargoyles. We know that gargoyles can bleed and can be destroyed as stone. We also know they have superhero qualities. So there are all these things happening. Um, you know, it kind of it feels like exposition. And then we have, you know, Magus's curse. And I think, okay, well, this is interesting. Uh, but without that, you know, the gargoyles aren't going to be trapped in their castle for a thousand years. But it really isn't until they're discovered a thousand years later and airlifted to New York um, and, and set in that castle, you know, the castles re, uh, reconfigured um, above the clouds. Right. That we get that um, that moment like, OK, now something's going to happen. But the stakes are so high
1: throughout the exposition that, yes. That's the that's the amazing thing of this for me is I'm watching the exposition and I am in no hurry for them to get to modern no. day. I'm loving every part of this exposition. There are characters who are very quickly developed and <laughs> I grow attached to them. Some characters do not make it through the exposition and will be disposed of. We'll never see them again. Um, right. There are characters who have turns that we aren't expecting. I'm thinking in particular the captain of guard of the guard has right, a turn, right. he has another turn and then a third turn. The princess Catherine and the magus also have turns. They 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 tell almost complete stories of these characters during the exposition. And even though I know because the movie's told me we're moving a thousand years into the future. Um I th- I am I'm on the edge of my seat the entire time because they've invested me in all of these characters immediately.
0: Right. I mean, every you start to see their these characters develop, and you see the conflict between the characters. Um, you see the the injustice. I think makes the unfairness when Goliath the-
1: comes back to Castle Wyvern and he sees that his clan has been shattered when he believes oh, my that his yeah. angel of the night his one true love has been destroyed the grief and rage in the performance is enough for me to just be like Goliath go do what you got to do you know you 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 mm-hmm. go take care you go clean house now like, like I am, I am with him immediately. He's, the, it's just there. It's, it's
0: all real emotion. This st- It's so, and it's raw, right? Yes. It's not like, oh, it's not. Unprocessed. Like, oh, she's dead. Yes. Oh, she's dead. And you know it's time to go, you know, nothing like that. Nothing like this. I'm going to go away now and lick my wounds. None of that. You are in the moment. You're dealing with what is at that moment absolutely 100%. Oh, it's so good.
1: So I'm just going to keep saying it's so good over and over again. <laughs> so can. if yeah, the inciting profession. incident and I I think that we're right is is Goliath uh and the clan coming back to life in modern day. Uh they were statues for a thousand years and now they live again. Uh which mm-hmm. which I think that it is. Uh, we have a bunch of things that are rising action. There is arguably one other thing that I might point to as the inciting incident of this. I think it's weaker, but it might be the emotional inciting incident of this movie. And for me, that might be when Goliath meets Elisa Maza. Yeah,
0: be- that may be it, too. Yeah, yep, I yep, yep. Because what it does is it sets up um, a potential love triangle, right? Oh, for sure. Um, or at least, you know, your heart could be in two different... If you think somebody's dead, right, and you're never going to see them again, and, and Goliath takes this risk to sort of move on... The attraction you know, and then all is a...
1: palpable between them from yes. the beginning, even though they are yes. different species. And right. I am... You know, sometimes when you see, like on Star Trek, you like see a couple of aliens like that got together from different races. You go, I don't want to think about that too much. Don't want to <laughs> see them kiss." I but this is okay. This is so I'm okay, I'm okay with it. I'm all on. It's okay. I'm all. I am on board for for Goliath right. and Eliza. It's it is amazing how much chemistry they have when they get together. And I argue that this could be considered an inciting incident because what really is going to, the real movie focuses on the relationship between gargoyles and humans. Can there ever be trust? And it's going to really send, I mean, the heart of this is that Goliath is in a place where he can trust a human again and build Mm -hmm. a friend through all of this. Like, you know, if Elisa's not there, what Goliath will learn from this is that essentially Demona is right; all humans are despicable. Uh, Xanatos right. will betray him. Uh, it'll be terrible. But but Elisa is so important to 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 his spiritual healing.
0: Yeah, and then it also makes the climax gives uh, the climax a bigger punch, right? Yeah.
1: So maybe we should work our way up to the climax. Oh I- yeah, sure, sure, sure. So so. Uh, All of the following is rising action. The gargoyles reawaken. There's an attack on the castle. Uh, Goliath meets Maza. Xanatos tells the gargoyles that he was robbed of three discs, and he asks them to come back. Initially, Goliath refuses. Then Xanatos brings Demona to him, says, look, I saved your female lady friend. Uh, Demona convinces Goliath, you know what? We owe Xanatos. Let's do it. They go off. uh, They are going to go off on this journey. Uh, They they go to recover the three discs. Uh, When would you? They bring them back to Xanatos. Uh, When would you say this movie
0: reaches its climax? Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, it's when Demona leaves Goliath and kind of moves to the dark side. Yes, right. It's the confrontation over that, not between Xanatos and xanatos and
1: goliath that is actually like almost a purely professional um rivalry there right oh yeah sure it's sure i actually think xanatos kind of likes goliath um you know it's just bad for business and so he's in the way there but when demona is asking goliath to choose right Mm -hmm. you know the humans or gargoyles. You can't have both. And if you go for the humans, we cannot be together. That's re- That's the question Goliath has been grappling with this entire movie. Right? right, right Can right. he ever trust humans again? Should he give in for his well-earned desire for vengeance? Mm-hmm. In fact, even after he makes that choice with Demona, he has to make it again. He's holding Xanatos over the edge because he believes Demona to be dead and Xanatos to right. at least be in part at fault of this. And he's like, I should I should kill you. I should throw you off the side. And uh, Hudson says, if you do that, then you're then you're still making the choice Demona made.
0: Right. You're no better than she is. Right. And for
1: me, that's the climax. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, falling action. We see that the gargoyles are settling into the castle. Xanatos has been carted away. Demona is missing. We are concerned that she may be dead. We're probably more concerned that she may be alive. Uh, and uh, but but Elisa says, you know, you know, Manhattan is going to need you guys, and mm-hmm. and we're in for a wild ride for the rest of the series. Uh, and. I am on board for the rest of the series. I'll, oh, sure. I am. I love all of these characters so much by the time. I love the bad guys. I love the oh, good sure. guys. I, there's like maybe a couple of characters I'm not on board with yet, and they'll do the work in future episodes to get me on board. But wow, uh, great plotting.
0: Yeah, for sure. I wanted to take a minute and just talk about the pros and cons of serialized cartooning. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's important. Know, 19- In 1994, you might miss an episode and have to rely on your VCR to tape the episode or hope you can find a copy on DVD at Blockbuster, right? Um, For a daily show, there's a lot to create, right? And if you run them daily and rerun in the summer, an audience might really struggle with knowing, okay, where am I in the story? What's going on? How, you know, how do I get caught up? Um, Especially a younger audience. I think, you know, I was thinking about like the show Lost, right? Um there were a lot of people that love that show and 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 I certainly watched, but like if we were if you miss something, like if you miss the first few episodes, you're done. Like you don't know what's going on. For you have sure. no idea. So you can't just jump into the show. No. Um yeah. And
1: and I think because of that, Gargoyles is a show that would do better if it just started today than it would have done back back in the 90s. Right? Oh, 100%.
0: Because because people would back up, start at the beginning, and binge it. People
1: were not used to consuming all of a series. If you were going to do that with a show, you made like a commitment to it, like I did with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Tuesday nights, my friends would never see me because Buffy was on. I stayed home. (laughs) If they were at my house when Buffy came on, they were watching Buffy or they went home. Those were their choices. And with Gargoyles, when you've got a show that's afternoon, where maybe some days I stay after school for a club, um, or you know, not uh, some days I have a lot of homework, I'm not allowed to watch it, I can see it being a legitimate concern that people couldn't follow all of the plot, would miss an episode, and therefore miss some crucial character development. That's probably the reason why they always begin the episodes with previously on Gargoyles. But even right, how right, much right. of that is going to be enough?
0: Well, yeah, because they're saying previously on Gargoyles, and I'm like, wow, you went back like three episodes to tell me this. <laughs> you know, you felt like I needed to know there are things I needed to know. Yeah, and they're but- gonna
1: they're gonna keep doing that throughout the entire series. Uh, they'll always go previously on Gargoyles because there's right. always crucial facts. I remember watching these episodes and trying to figure out who was who, what the episode was going to be about. Based on the clues they were showing me from past episodes. I'm like, oh, the
0: pack is going to be in this because they're showing me Fox. Right? Like that sort of thing. Right, right, right. They're reminding the jog in my memory. Yeah. But it is a lot to create for a daily show. And and again, if 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 you're creating something that's daily, you would think, gosh, let's have an evergreen. Let's have people be able to merge into the story wherever they you know, wherever they show you up, you can
1: turn on any episode
0: of Ducktales, and you're good to go. You're good to go, exactly. Yep, yep. But this this is a lot, and so it changes. I think this show really changes audience expectations, or really the expectations that creators have for their audiences, in the in, in terms of the commitment they really need to make. Yeah,
1: I, I would agree with you. The pros, though. Because I think we're hitting the cost.
0: The pros here is
1: there is stuff going on here being planted so early that we're going Mm -hmm. to reap bountiful harvests from later on. Like, for example, uh, those minor characters that we talked about, Princess Catherine, the Magus, even the little boy Tom. We're going to mm-hmm. come back to those characters later on in the series and find out what happened to them. After all, they were the ones who were rescuing the gar- the gargoyle eggs at the beginning, which you might forget about towards the end of the movie, uh, but become super important later on in the series. Uh, well, sure. And there's even, like, really, really tiny stuff, Andy. Like, so at one point, when... when uh, Xanatos and Owen are walking on the ruins of Castle Wyvern in Scotland. Owen makes a passing reference, reference to, the locals seem to think the castle is haunted. To, right. In season two, they return to the ruins of where Castle Wyvern once stood. And in fact, the ruins are haunted. And they're haunted by the ghosts of Hakon the Viking and the captain of the guard, who we haven't oh, wow. seen in forever, the- but they still have unresolved business with Goliath. Right. It's, and that is so clearly planned from the beginning. They're planning stories
0: years in advance and it's, and it's beautiful. It's, it's just. so Right. And so if you have that kind of op, if you have that serial show, you have that opportunity to seed the, 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 you you could see the, the pilot you can see whatever you want and pay it off later yes and always and you always have the benefit of going back to oh gosh what did we talk about back then oh the rookery we should write something about the rookery or oh let we mm, let's see he was eating moss over there we should talk about eating moss again you know whatever it is that whatever it is you know it doesn't really matter what it is but you could certainly pay you know find those things if it's a well-written. Pilot, you can always go back and find those little nuggets to pay off.
1: Oh, I, w- I would love to to be able to create something like this, knowing that the stories that I'm going to tell seasons later are really going to definitely be seen. So I have the freedom to set them up this early. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that, that would be so amazing to me.
0: <laughs> I agree, I agree. Well, let's jump into the characters, Larry. Yes. Um, Goliath. Uh, Keith David of uh, dozens of voice acting and acting credits, um, screen acting credits. He's the voice of um, the Doctor uh, in uh, Princess and the Frog, Doctor Facilier. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, he's got friends yeah. on the other side.
0: Yeah, and he's such yes. a good
1: vocal actor that you can hear these two different performances. And if you're listening for it, you'll hear that it's the same voice. But you, but if someone didn't tell you. I I, no, you wouldn't know. I don't know that you would know. Goliath very rarely sings. His voice doesn't have that sort of, like, I'm about to lift up in song uh, sort of quality. <laughs> well, there. Keith, yeah,
0: Keith David is no Sterling Holloway. Let's just say that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, okay, I love
1: Goliath. I, I love... Why? Uh, beca- Why do you love him? Well, there's so much there. But for me, it's... The scenes where he cries. When he mm. thinks Demona is dead, he cries. But then at the end, when Demona is like saying, I don't think we can be together. If you, Goliath, you are now my enemy. And you can see it in, in the animation, in the vocal delivery, that Goliath still loves her. And it's recognized that she's changed. And she's toxic now, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's it's he's this strong masculine figure who is also emotionally available and in touch with what he's feeling every step of the way. But no one would ever look at him and say Goliath is weak. He's strong and in touch with his emotions. Yeah, and. I mean, 1990s, I can't think of too many characters who provide that model.
0: No, I can't either. I mean, he's definitely, he's fearless in a lot of ways. And he's, he's so layered. Like he, he there's the strength through his, like, he seems to have this incredible sense of self-discipline. Uh, he values everyone's life, including the life of his enemies, right? He's a diplomat. Um, he, yes. Trust, he prefers to negotiate
1: before he fights. He doesn't pretend to trust people when he doesn't. Xanatos is like, trust me, trust me. And Goliath says, I'm not a mark. Trust has to be right. Mind. I've been betrayed right, before. Right. But at the same time, he doesn't close the possibility to the fact that he might learn to trust Xanatos, even though instinctually I think he knows something is off here.
0: I think for me, like the 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 strength of his character is that he's willing to protect people who treat him badly. Yes. And that may be one of his flaws Uh is that he's sort of too trusting and sort of, dismisses that injustice. I mean, this is a and complaint. That comes, that comes back to bite him.
1: Yeah, this is a complaint people have about superheroes all the time. Why doesn't Batman just kill the Joker, right? Like that, right, that right, sort right. of thing. But the- in, The game would be over. <laughs> but, but, but it's not even that. Batman shouldn't kill the Joker. Goliath shouldn't kill Xanatos because the truth of the matter is Goliath- By the way, Goliath kills. Goliath says mm. killing them in battle is one thing killing them when they're at your mercy is another which by the way for right. Saturday morning is a much more nuanced approach than we've seen uh anyone take right oh 100% but sure. but you know it's it's more than that Goliath realizes that if he were to start killing people it's a slippery slope right it there right, once once right, you right. rationalize it once it becomes that much easier to rationalize it again. He's not killing them because he's he's not sparing them because he necessarily likes Xanatos. He's sparing them because he needs to be a person he can respect. And he's not gonna respect mm. himself if he does it. He'll
0: lose He part seems of really himself. committed, committed to that classical just war theory, right? Yeah. Like he escalates things when things like if they escalate it, he will. But he's not going to pick a fight. Like he doesn't go to pick a fight, but he'll finish one.
1: No, he even gives Hakon the Viking the chance to run away. It's mm-hmm. like take your men and leave. Right, right. And you could argue if you just killed him now, Goliath, you know, everything would have been been fine. But but at the end of the day, he's doing the, you know, the trolley experiment. How do I get the most people alive? At the end right. of all of my interactions, how do I save the most people I can save? He's so noble and I think he's aspirational.
0: There's something that I find really interesting about him too, is that he's the only gargoyle with a name and that people gave him his name, right? And and we know that when you're named, you're limited, right? And so I wonder if his interactions with humans and his acceptance of their name and acceptance of their sort of... um their culture has made him limited. More importantly, he's been misnamed. Right? Yes. Because, because
1: Goliath is the villain of the stories. Goliath, all we know about him is brute strength and that he's a bully. Right. Um, And he accepts that name. Goliath is the opposite of a bully. Uh, His brute strength is not his biggest asset. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, let, let's, let's, Pull back the vinyl a little bit. The reason the gargoyles don't have names back in Scotland is because we want to give them modern New York names in the present, and that's how we right. do that, right? But but even but they use it to their, of course, but they use it to their advantage. I think. Oh, I, I think so too. I'm fine with it. But yeah, yeah. But I believe if Goliath were to name himself today, he would name mm-hmm. himself Dostoevsky, right? He would. Oh uh, he, yeah. He's yeah. he's got the soul of like a Russian poet. Uh, constantly struggling with the issues of good and evil, um, you know that that constant split that Dostoevsky is always like: where is the line? Where is someone a good person? Where is someone not a good person? That's what he's struggling with all the time. He's always trying to become a better person, and mm-hmm. and he has dark impulses. That he resists. Right. He does right. want to kill Xanus. He is given, he is given to rage, and he does resist that rage. For sure. Time and again, Goliath has the opportunity for revenge. And because he needs to save someone else, he's cheated of his desire for revenge. He could kill Hakon, but he goes to save the princess instead. And the captain of the guard goes off the, the edge the ledge with Hakon mm-hmm. instead. What Goliath wanted was to kill them. His response, sense of responsibility to life required him to save this princess who has treated him like dirt. And then again, and then again, he's going to go to save Elisa. He's got a choice. You know, do I save Elisa or do I save Demona, who Demona is arguably his wife. He's she's arguably the, the person he still loves. But Demona is toxic and damaged. And Elisa
0: is the innocent. And he's well, let's talk. Let's talk about Demona. Um, Marina Sirtis. Um, Single greatest again, villain in all of Disney. I think she's great. Um, she's the sorceress. She's the second in command. I didn't like her the minute I met her. And I was supposed to like her because she was, you know, with this likable character. You don't but, like her uh, and
1: she's an empowered female character.
0: Yes. And and her, but her eyes are glowing and she is somebody that you know she's the one who orchestrates the betrayal of the castle to the vikings right although we don't know she, that right away we don't know that right away but you feel like something like she's angry and it's justifiable but i have this feeling and and you know that she's going to use that anger in a way that's going to destroy her and destroy the relationship yeah I just, like, it's a hunch. Like, I went through the and looked at the dialogue. I'm like, where am I getting that from? I'm not. I'm totally getting it from performance. And it's in the performance. She's, yes, she's on the edge of making a terrible
1: decision in that first episode, which she has the opportunity to back out of, right? And she doesn't. She She commits to it. But we see her, we see her seeing the plan start to fall apart. We don't know what it is that we're seeing because we're not privy to those thoughts. But we see that, like, she knows something, something mm-hmm. yeah, like like maybe we could, you know, if we were really dismissive, we would be like, "It's women's intuition." She senses a tragedy. She's not sensing a tragedy. She's creating a tragedy.
0: From yeah, because because where where Goliath can say things like, and I'm I'm going to totally botch the dialogue here, but he says, you know, he's confronted with the injustice of that princess's ugly dismissal of them, right, and that lack of appreciation. He's just kind of like, you know, that's just who they are. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to get, she takes that as, and that energy and decides to use that to destroy these human beings.
1: Here's the other great thing about the portrayal, particularly in the modern age, when Goliath says to her, you've changed it, the, the, the years have made you hard. Mm-hmm. You feel it, that, that that there's something, some part of the story that has transformed her that we're not privy to, but but she's been through some stuff. But, mm-hmm. but by the same token, when she's reintroduced to Goliath and the rest of the clan, when Bronx comes running up to her because he's a dog and she's she's you know one of one of his masters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think she's genuinely happy to see them. I think she's been alone. For a oh, very I, I, yeah. long time. And that this reunion, like, I, as much as she's become manipulative and untrustworthy and duplicitous, I don't think mm-hmm. she's faking her gr- gratefulness for being held by Goliath again, for being no, with the no, 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 no again.
0: She- no, I think she genuinely wants to be with the gargoyles, but I also think she like whatever happened between something happened that had to be more than just that princess. Um, Something, but we don't see it yet. Um, Something happened because she's willing to just cut the love of her life off you know, and say, I, if you're doing this, I'm not doing it. I we're gonna we're gonna exterminate these humans.
1: I do wanna I do wanna make one final thought point about Demona. One of the criticisms that people have of particularly these early seasons is that all of the gargoyles are boys, and and their villain is a woman, and and are we making a statement about gender in this way here? And I don't think we are. I think what we're actually telling a story is about a race on the brink of extinction. I think mm-hmm. the lack of presence of female gargoyles among our core five sets up a tone of hopelessness, that maybe the gargoyles have gotten a stay of execution. And we if there were female gargoyles among them, we would be like, oh, the race can
0: rebuild. Right, but she seems to be it because how in the world are future gargoyles gonna be hatched if Goliath and Demona in their life And that's right?
1: exactly it, Andy. Her reappearance on the scene when they're all together gives this false hope that the gargoyles can can rebuild and grow and there can be a continuance. And the right. tragedy becomes so much greater. She's the last of their kind and she's their enemy. Mm-hmm. It's so important that they come together. And they're so far apart.
0: Right, right, right. For sure. Yeah. All right. Let's hit Xanatos. Uh, Jonathan Frakes. He's Commander William Riker in the Star Trek franchise. Uh, love him in this, too. Love him, too. He's great. Why do you
1: love him? We're we're hearing a lot about my love. I want to hear your love.
0: <clears throat> no, I think he's, he's my favorite villain. Um, you like Demona. I like this guy because he's a self-made gazillionaire. Um, but he also has this... And he does something really kind of noble in that he's preserved this bit of ancient history. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you realize, Oh, he's kind of a control freak. And what he wants is the gargoyles to do his bidding for him. He wants, he has everything in the world. The only thing he doesn't have is a team of supernatural, you know, fighters um, that he can sort of order around. He's charismatic. Uh, He's very charismatic. And, and, you know, even that moment where, uh, Goliath says to him, you know, I don't trust humans. I, I'm again, I'm, I'm not really good at memorizing dialogue. but he said, he says, to him, he says, I don't really trust humans. And he says, Oh, well, I can see I can, I'm going to have to work really hard to earn your trust. Right. Like it feels kind of <laughs> genuine, but then I'm like, mm, I, is it? <laughs> no,
1: no. I think you're, but, but the funny thing is I always get the sense from Xanatos. He really likes Goliath.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think he has a, a great deal of respect for him. Yeah, and and that is um, that's something that um, I think is going to come into play because sometimes when you have someone who is r- really respectful of you um, and they're really evil, you might be tempted to say, oh, "Are they really that bad? I don't know if they're that bad. Nah, he's all right. He's an all right guy, right?" And that might bring in later some um, conflict between xanatos and elisa i also of between goliath and elisa what, sorry yeah no 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 and what i think xanatos i think xanatos
1: has the same thing with elisa i think xanatos really likes elisa too
0: mm-hmm, and i think mm-hmm. he
1: likes both of them because they challenge him and he doesn't have worthy adversaries right right, right like right. he's got people that he's beaten but these two people see through him a little bit but he loves it he's having the best time in this movie This might be, this might be the best days of his life. Even when he's going to jail and he's arrested, I think he thinks, this is so great. I've been beaten. I never get beaten. I'm going to have to work so hard. And he's relishing work. I mean, maybe I'm reading into it. Uh, Other fun thing. Xanatos' first name?
0: David. Yeah. And his enemy is? Is Goliath, but it's opposite, yes. right? Because the Goliath is actually Xantos, and David is actually.
1: They have their Goliath. names reversed, right? Yeah. Oh, yep, yep. I love
0: that. That's fun. Okay. So he's also sort of set up to, I think, to have a love relationship with the Do You think so? Because I think so. Because now maybe I'm wrong. Because again, sure. I have not seen the rest of it. But it feels like he could give her the power she craves in order to get his bidding done. Well, that they can make that, that, that he is a devil. Well, that she is a devil, and that he is a devil. That they could both make you know make arrangements with. Well,
1: obviously, since I've seen the whole series, I don't want to. I don't want to comment on this one way or the other. <laughs> what I what I would say is of the two of them, Xanatos is. I think, demonstrating more of a capacity to love. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like sure. that that arguably we could see him finding a partner. I don't know that Demona's there yet. Maybe she gets there later on. Wink, wink to the people who've watched it, because <laughs> I know. Uh, maybe she can get there later on. But Xanatos, I think we see someone who, for all of his flaws, is mm-hmm. also maybe emotionally available.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it definitely sets up this um, dynamic where you have, uh, you know, someone for Goliath that maybe be an Elisa that might be better for him. And then, well, who would be better for Demona than Xanatos, right? I, I, so, I can't say anything. I know you can't I, say. I will keep watching, friends. Okay. And I'm sure if you've watched it, then maybe I'm right or wrong, but I really haven't. So I'm going, I'm totally going in blind here. Okay. Um, Elisa Maza. Hey, you know what, Andy? Yes. I love her. I love her too. (laughs) Um, We were, I was watching it with my daughter. We were excited to see Sally Richardson. I mean, she's a veteran in the industry. Um, She's a woman of color. She's a fantastic casting choice here. Um, And, and a rare one, honestly, for the Mm -hmm. nineties. She's again, and she's got lots of TV experiences as an actor and a director since Gargoyles, but it seems like Gargoyles is sort of her launching pad. Um, there's definitely a love relationship set up for she and Goliath. And when she waits in the park all night with him. She is so oh my flirty.
1: God. She's constantly playing with her hair when he's she's around.
0: Great. Yep. Yep. She's great.
1: Uh, but she's empowered. She's strong. Yes. She's a partner. She puts, uh-huh. they have that long sequence in the park where she is putting her life at risk to protect him because he's the one mm-hmm. who's vulnerable during the day. Yeah. She's smart. Uh, and mm-hmm. she, like, she's not just a detective. She's a good detective.
0: She's really good. I mean, she is, she would be, like, if, if, uh, if she were, if this were a live action, she would definitely be, you know, somebody, you could see a Law and Order crossover here. She is definitely has the, she has the chops to do, to do that kind of detective work for sure. Yeah,
1: I, but, but I also, like, what's really nice about this is I feel the Goliath, Demona, Elisa Maza love triangle so intensely and mm-hmm. as much as i want goliath and, uh, and elisa to be together and as mm-hmm. much as demona has made her own bed and deserves uh-huh. to lie in it she deserves to lose goliath i still i still
0: feel this love triangle as a real problem for goliath oh it's gonna be huge because again if he goes with demona or if he goes with Demona, he's going to have no self-respect and human beings are going to die. If he goes with Elisa, there will be no future gargoyles. Yeah. They're- unless unless one of the other gargoyles uh, ends up with uh, Demona somehow. Right.
1: Right? Which doesn't seem like a viable possibility. Doesn't
0: seem likely. Doesn't seem likely. So, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, it's, there's, there's risks either way. That's what makes it so awesome. No, yeah, no, agreed. You can't, uh, you gain something. You're also going to lose something, right? Yep. No, I'm with you. <laughs> All right. Hudson, Ed Asner, who's Carl Fredrickson and up and Hank Cooper and the Disney classic Gus among other amazing roles. Ed Asner was fantastic. And guess All right. what? What? I love him. <laughs> you know, he's wise. I love how he chooses his own name. Yes, in H- in Hudson, right? And and he uh, he's the character who says what the audience is often thinking without sounding didactic. Uh, but you, so you get- there's wisdom there. But there's there seems to be a great bit of love between Hudson and uh, Goliath. And I kind of wondered, like, is Hudson Goliath's dad?
1: Actually, Andy, they'll never say this on the show. Hudson is Broadway's dad. Uh, gargoyles oh. gargoyles don't take on paternal and maternal roles. The whole clan raises the children. So it doesn't matter who laid the egg and who seeded the egg. The egg belongs to the whole clan. But okay. Hudson was, and this is not a spoiler, the leader of the clan. And he gave up that role to Goliath. He's supposed hmm. to be retired. Ah. He's not very good so at So while though, is he, he might not be the <laughs> biological father of Goliath, he is certainly uh-huh. in the paternal role um, right. to him. Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, but but again it all feels so lived. I yeah. I know that Hudson has seen thousands of battles. Part of it is the way he's dressed. Part of it is the fact mm-hmm. that he has a sword. Part of it is mm-hmm. the scar on his eye, which speaks yep. to a tragedy at some point in his life. Um, but but it's
0: in the words that he's saying, he's seen some stuff. And he's... and he Yeah, and again, these vocal performances, if you just read the script, right? You read it, it doesn't really come alive until these actors make it so yeah and it's so what a brilliant choice in Ed Asner who definitely had there is love in his voice though there's so is much absolute love and empathy and and respect and resolve and wisdom i mean it's all there And he's tired it's brilliant He's yes. tired. And it's, yes, yes, right. And
1: and I love the scene where he turns on the TV, catches MTV, some rock video screaming death metal, and he runs from the room because he thinks he's haunted. I, I <laughs> that is such It is so great. was oh, such so a great, great
0: moment. Yeah, it's so good. All right, we've got Brooklyn, Lexington, and Broadway, the Rookery Brothers. I put them all together, Larry, because I feel like they're, right now, as they are, it's sort of a Huey, Dewey, and Louie trio, or a Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, and Mickey and the Beanstalk, or um, who are the three? Oh, gosh, my brain, in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Lock, Shock, and Barrel. Lock, Shock, and Barrel. It kind of feels like that same it does. trio. It does. Yeah.
1: And, and
0: while I will eventually
1: say to you, Andy, I love them. They don't have the screen time in these five episodes to really develop more than superficially between right. each other. Um, like, like they're in the broadest of strokes here. There's just no time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one, no, no, one of the things that they'll do later on this season, I think, almost immediately after these five episodes, is we'll get an episode focusing on each one in turn to give them a little time to shine and to develop. But here, they don't really have much of a story arc. Uh, they're here to be like child surrogates. I think most kids yeah. probably identify with Lexington. He's the little one. He's the smart right, one. Right, right. Um, you know, I I, I think possibly. Uh, my, look, I gave this a 9.9. And I know where the point one comes from. And the point one comes from the portrayal of Broadway as... All he likes to do is eat. Right? I I don't find that funny. I've never found it funny. I I right. I I look, this show is going to be so great about representation in so many different ways. Some of it's going to be coded. There's some there's some sexual uh identity stuff that Is not explicitly said in the text because it would never have aired had it been there. Uh, That's there. Uh There's going to be so much race representation and um, characters with disabilities, and there's just so there's
0: so violence. How to deal with violence? So much stuff like in a way that is you know. But the miss for me, if it's ethical, maybe the miss for me is fat shaming Broadway.
1: Yeah, and making jokes about his weight. Or reducing him to a character that is just always hungry.
0: Um, so eating, they play with Bronx, they fool around with 90s technology. They don't really do much for the story yet, except they're here by happenstance, right? Their poor decision-making make Goliath send them to the rookery, and so they aren't the best gargoyles that could have been available, yeah. right? Um, they were just the ones who were protected, really, I, and be- protected because they were sort of being punished. No, what's also interesting is
1: they were the demona was with them for that scene. Did mm-hmm. you see that? Like, mm-hmm. like she comes down and when they're growling at the crowd, I don't think they're going to attack. I think they're they're growling the way like a, a little pomeranian dog growls, like like fear right, right, me, right, right, but, right. but if if you actually approach me, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk away. <laughs> But it right. does set up the idea that these three young gargoyles if they have the wrong mentor could go down a darker path. Yep. What happens yep. What happens if Goliath died and Demona took over the clan? Mm, Who do mm. they become then? And I think that's an interesting that's an interesting story to uh to pursue. In fact, the next episode after this, Brooklyn has a conversation with Demona uh, and she tries to convince him that, that uh, you know, Goliath is a fool and needs to see the truth. And mm. and that sets up a relationship between Brooklyn and Demona that's going to be very special to see in the series. There's no time for it here, but but we're going to raise right. that question later.
0: And then, of course, there's Bronx, right? He's the only gargoyle with a dog brain. Yeah. Um, he can't fly or talk. He's loyal. And, of course, the role of the dog or the seal in the case of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, right? If the animal likes you, you're likable to the audience. Yep. You, you, you. So when, when Bronx goes after Demona and, and is excited to see her, right, I can't help but think, well, maybe she's not all bad.
1: Here's the other thing, Andy. For the rest of the series, if Demona and Bronx are ever alone, he trusts her. Mm. Uh, it, it never penetrates his brain that she's the, like, if the rest of the gargoyles are fighting, he sees the other gargoyles being hurt by her, he will intervene. Mm-hmm. But when it's the two of them alone, it's something to keep your eye out for. He loves her. Mm. He may be the, he may be, I mean, I think Goliath still has feelings there too, but he may be, mm. he may never stop
0: loving Demona. Because yeah. that's how dogs yeah. love. Yep. We don't deserve them, do we? <laughs> Protagonist problems. Protagonist problems. Who is the protagonist of this series? Well, I mean, you know, we're setting uh. up a
1: series, so and we want to set up a show where all of the characters, all of our good characters, can be protagonists from time to mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. In these five episodes, the protagonist is Goliath. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, he's
0: the one. Who, and then we—he's
1: all- got the crucial decisions. He's got the loss. He's got the changes in circumstances. He's not the mm-hmm. only protagonist, though. He's just the primary. Uh, who else do you see as a protagonist here?
0: Well, I mean, I think Elisa could be a protagonist, um, and I think um, maybe Hudson could be a protagonist. I mean, I think any of these care, any of these gargoyles could be a protagonist.
1: Yeah, but I think um, the two best answers are the ones that we gave. Goliath for this, for these five mm-hmm. episodes that sure. we're mostly in Goliath's eyes. We sometimes blip to other people. There is an ex. Extended period where we're seeing things through Elisa's eyes, and sure. sometimes when I'm seeing conversations between Goliath and Elisa, I'm with Goliath, and sometimes I'm with Elisa, uh, depending on on how much I know and who was who who's the person who walked into the scene. Uh, right. This is not a problem. This is no. it's not a protagonist it, no. problem. They are two strong protagonists who are going on a, on parallel journeys that intersect. Uh, right.
0: No, there are no protagonist uh, problems. I don't it. see any either. And, and and the antagonists of this series, we have Xanatos, we have Demona, we have a, and possibly Elisa. Um, if if Goliath is, I mean, not in the wicked sense of antagonism, but if Goliath needs to do something, we could see if she is, she's a very loved one.
1: I would say Xanatos. Yeah, and Demona. yeah, yeah. I would say Demona uh-huh. more than Xanatos, simply because with Demona it's personal. And with Xanatos, mm-hmm. it's not. It's business. Mm-hmm. And I always say that the the antagonist with personal stakes is your stronger antagonist. Yeah. Uh, yep. We could also say Hakon, the Viking, is an antagonist. But since he's dead by the time the exposition is over, it isn't, yeah. it isn't really him. Although he's a great antagonist, too.
0: But we spend a whole lot of time with the princess and Magus and And, you know, we spend a lot of time with those guys and they're dead. I gotta think we're gonna go back in time at some point. Very possibly. My I turn. I can't I can't tell <laughs> you, you. Can't tell me. You won't spoil it. For I, me. I I am no, I'm telling you. Well, I'm telling you what I see. Yeah, just based on what you because know, they're so well developed. It's so well developed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, for and sure. I I kind of even want to see more of those characters. Oh, one hundred percent. All right, let's talk about themes. Sure. Um. What do you
1: think? Well, I mean, we talked about earlier um, how there's there's very clearly a prejudice theme baked into mm-hmm. baked into the uh, DNA of this, right? Mm-hmm. This, this gargoyle human prejudice that was present in Scotland, and now that prejudice probably has deteriorated over time because no one's seen a gargoyle in a thousand years, and right. yet Demona. The gargoyle is prejudiced against humans. And of course, there's the concern that if humans see the gargoyles again, they will be prejudiced against them. So there's like this idea of can we ever get past unreasoning hatred?
0: Right, right. Um, there is definitely bigotry. And and again, the question is always what happens when people are seen um, as different, right, and not appreciated for who they are. Yeah, um, if, if we do not extend, you know, it, there seems to be some classes in there too, between the princess and the gargoyles and, you know, they get to come into the, di- they don't get to eat in the dining room and there's a lot going on here. So it's hard to, you know, um,
1: I'm going to throw there, out as another thing. Yeah. Vengeance yeah. destroys happiness.
0: Oh, I like
1: that. Um, time, time and again, uh, we see Goliath, I, I said this earlier, tempted to get revenge but resisting Mm -hmm. it because he's got to save other people. And at the time, he seems unhappy with his choice, even though we know he made the right choice.
0: But then we see
1: Demona, who is someone who has chosen vengeance, the path of vengeance, and it will never be enough for her. Like, Goliath says to her, Demona, the humans responsible for the death of our clan died a thousand years ago. And her response is... I will have blood for blood. Their descendants will pay. It will, ne- right. it will never be enough for her. There will right. never be enough I mean, for her. And she has a second chance to be happy with the love of her life and her clan. But there is this thing in the way of her happiness, and it is revenge.
0: Well, and there's revenge desired, right? And there's revenge denied. Yeah. Because Goliath also wants to revenge. But he's sort of prevented from having it.
1: But if so, Goliath
0: it's had pursued revenge, could he ever mm-hmm.
1: find a love with Elisa? If he threw Xanatos mm. off the, the building and became a murderer, even though right. he deserves it, Xanatos, can, Elisa has to take
0: him in. Yeah. Right? That's true. That's true. Um, there, Like I said, there is some tension um, also between the violence that is and the violence that ought not be. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's... Again, I keep I keep thinking about just war theory, right? And the idea that there are times when it is just to fight. Um at least in that in that uh framework, I feel like that's being explored here. Um what when is it just to, you know, when is it a good idea to um to be violent? Yeah, this is not and there's a lot show- of fight, there's a whole lot of fighting in this. I mean, it's Y7 but I was like, man, I don't know that I'd let my seven-year-old boys watch this. I'm not sure. Um, this is not a show that says violence is never the answer. It's no. not the
1: first resort. No. But but it, and honestly, you know, I there were so many shows that were like, no matter what happened, you should never defend yourself. But when, mm-hmm. I will speak for myself and my lived experience. When I was bullied in junior high school, uh, mm-hmm. the thing that got bullies to stop was the fact that I would defend myself when I right. tried to yeah. not defend oh, myself yeah. when I tried passive resistance or avoidance or or telling teachers it just gave more or ignoring it oh my
0: god it just gave more that permission just more energy to it mm-hmm. you know Agree. and I think Agree. this is
1: a more mature way of looking at when do we use mm-hmm. violence when do we not i'm not promoting the use of violence right i'm just saying like they're asking questions here
0: Well, there there's definitely tolerance for violence in this. It's just, but it, but it has to be used justly. I think, I think, and I think there is a distinction. I
1: do. I agree with you.
0: Okay. Pitch time. What will we do with this material? I,
1: I think we just redo it exactly the way that it is because it's
0: perfect. Andy. (laughs) It's. I know. I, I thought it might be interesting to dig into the comic books um, that resulted after this series and maybe start a new series as a live action, but retell the beginning, um, cut it a little tighter, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe less violence. Um, I don't know that we need all the exposition in the world building, but maybe we do because I haven't seen the whole series. And now you're got me thinking, oh, maybe that's going to pay off later. Um, and, you know, Loki, the show Loki kind of comes to mind as a model here mm-hmm. um, where there's just... Yeah, I mean I th- I see this as live action. So I really do.
1: This show, obviously, I'm stymied a little bit here, stifled a little bit here, because I know the various things this show is gonna do. Um uh-huh. so like if I were to go, oh, I want to see Demona's story, I know several episodes from now we're gonna see Demona's story and it's gonna be fantastic. Um mm-hmm. so it's a little tricky for me. But here here would honestly be my plea. Mm-hmm. We go to the end of season two and we just tell the stories that they wanted that that Greg Wiseman wanted to tell and we just mm-hmm. go forward with the series my pitch is the first two seasons are perfect i want more let's just mm-hmm. keep going let's just trust that creator but if you're saying i have to create something myself uh then the answer is going to be Uh, There are gargoyle clans in other parts of the world that are uniquely different than the Scottish gargoyles. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll take one of those clans. I don't even care which one. I'll take one of those clans and I'll tell that
0: story. That sounds awesome. I love it. Thank you for bringing this to my attention because I was very skeptical. I'm not, as you know... Was not really a Disney afternoon uh, cartoon kid because I was a little older. And DuckTales but didn't yeah. turn
1: out the way I wanted it for you. <laughs> it did
0: not. <laughs> Although I do love the new DuckTales, that's for okay. sure. Okay. I do love the new the reboot. Um what are we doing next
1: week? Well, Andy, we kind of are going back to the Disney afternoon, but maybe maybe not Gargoyles really set a high bar and i don't know uh-huh. that what we're doing next week is going to reach that bar in fact um it may be a low point for us we are doing Aladdin 2 the return of
0: Jafar okay well <laughs> gilbert godfrey sings <laughs> oh well that's yeah Look that's forward worth to that admission right absolutely yes well, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can tweet us at, at Andy or at Larry Brenner 6 or drop us a line in our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon.